welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Kelly Moore on day one of NHL free agency. The Jets did not do much, but we'll talk about what could come next. Plus, Derek Taylor stops by as we talk about the Bombers and Stampeders big game coming up. That's all on the podcast. We welcome in the voice of the Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. Derek, are, you, are we done talking about the Garrett Marino incident? Is that done or are we still on that? I, I've had a couple of conversations about it today, but uh, for me, like I'm past the point where uh, I'll talk about it or ask any bombers about it. We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit, let Doug Brown weigh in on the pregame show on Friday. But uh, until the guy comes back from suspension in four games and there's not much, yeah, we're, we're kind of done. It's, it's a, a guy did a dumb thing and we should all probably move on now that the league has ruled and that, he and the uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have said their piece. All right, so let's talk football then. The Blue Bombers and Stampeders. We had a highly anticipated game Saturday. And we get another one Friday. Back-to-back games against undefeated teams. How do you think the Calgary Stampeders compare to the BC Lions in terms of an opponent the Bombers are facing? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, Calgary dealing with more injuries across its defensive backfield, so that'll be a thing. Um, Calgary's defensive line should be more of a problem, although I thought BC's would be good. But between uh, guys like Sean Lemon and Falerin Arimolade and then Mike Rose on the interior, who I just think is a top 10 player in the Canadian Football League, uh, Calgary's defense should be should be good. And then, man, they have weapons on offense, and yet they're not, not exactly clicking on all cylinders, right? Reggie Bagleton should be a top five receiver in the league. And He's not blowing the doors off yet. Instead, it's Malik Henry with back-to-back 150-plus yard games. I think it is. Like, Malik Henry is crushing it. Meanwhile, Kamar Jordan and uh, and Reggie Bagleton, the names we know a little better, are uh, are, are in the uh, in the shadows. It's it's interesting. They can always run the game, run the ball, and then, I mean, the big deal is Bo Levi-Mitchell looks like the Bo Levi-Mitchell of old. The BC Lions were the story of the season for the first four weeks, but now we get a game Friday where it's the two best teams in the CFL going up against one another, the two undefeated teams that are left, and really the two franchises that have defined the last you know, eight or ten years in the CFL with the Bombers being the team of the last few years and the Calgary Stampeders before that leading the way. How important is this game, or is it just one of 18? Um. The players will always say it's just one of 18. The coaches will always say it's just one of 18. But I, I just like to think of things in terms of how how is this going to look when the playoffs come around, right? Testing yourself against Hamilton, that wasn't much of a test, right? Nobody came out of that game looking really good. Toronto was was a weird one, too. BC was a team that was on fire, and the defense you know, closed them down, went from 46 offensive points to 23. Calgary's a good team all, all around with special teams that are that are excellent. So I just like these as a measuring stick because I try to predict, okay, well, after this, how are the Bombers' next 12 games going to go? Okay, well, I take some from the Ottawa. I don't take much from Hamilton, but I'll take something from BC. And, and if they beat – if the Bombers beat Calgary in a different fashion in which they beat BC, then I'll, I'll take something from that and go, okay, well, now I'm more confident because they've now shown me this. They've shown us the runaway and hide and, you know, essentially smother another team in with timely plays this past week in BC. They've had the narrow victories. They've had the ugly victories. But if they can show us something else, that just gives me more and more confidence for the next 12 games. Because, I mean, the playoff run last year, right, showed us, okay, well, 
that that win against uh, in the West Final was just ugly. Oh, we can win the six turnovers. All right, we got confidence. We can be trailing in the in the fourth and win in overtime. Confidence. Everything just just builds on top of the last one. So. Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. Whatever, whatever this one happens, we'll we'll get a little more information of how the Bombers might look when it starts to count. They finally got the run game going in BC. Johnny Augustine was was really ripping. There was a one drive where he had a bunch of runs. Greg McRae as well as the offensive line played their best game of the season as well. You think that's an anomaly, or they figured figured something out with the run game? I feel like much of that game was an anomaly. To tell you the truth, like I really didn't expect. So many plays where Winnipeg could get isolated on a guy and 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 beat him, uh, because I mean BC to me has good coverage players and they were just Winnipeg was just whooping them repeatedly. Ellings had shown on and over and over again. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, I I feel like it was it was an anomaly um, because when you look at BC's personnel, they, they should they should have been better than that. So yeah, um, as far as the run game goes, like. They're 4-0 when the run game doesn't work, and they're 1-0 when it does work. So how much do I believe it to be important? I know that they absolutely believe it to be important. They'll, they'll talk about, we need to get this going, because, I mean, it feels like a perfectly blocked run play is kind of the best play in football, right? It's you know, Oh, there's a hole for Augustine. Zoop, he's gone for 17 yards just that quick, and it feels so great to see it happen, and guys get good vibes. Um, Calgary... Calgary may be a little stouter because they have a couple of thumping linebackers in there, Jameer Thurman and uh, Cam Judge. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see if, if that holds up for two games in a row. Are you concerned at all about the open deep shots Nathan Mork was able to hit a few times? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's kind of been a theme of the season, right? Um, Jalen Acklin in week one was open deep shots. Uh Hamilton couldn't do do much. Toronto worked it okay. Uh, I some of that I think is also every once in a while you're going to get a six four Dominic Rhymes on a five nine defensive back, and I mean for a good receiver and a well thrown football, it's it's probably going to go the the offense's way slightly more than it goes the the defense's way. But uh, yeah, we're we're not saying bend but don't break anymore, right? But then it didn't really matter because the offense and the special teams kicked into that. So. Yeah, there's. I wonder. Wonder the answer to that against Calgary generally isn't let's go blitz because Boldy by Mitchell just eats that kind of stuff up in his career. So yeah, they're, they're going to whether it's more zone or whatever it is. Uh, I, I feel like the explosive plays have probably that wasn't something we saw last season, so it's probably got to stop. So. What is the X factor in your mind in Friday night's matchup? What's going to be the biggest difference in deciding who wins this football game? Um, the X factor, honestly, I usually don't go to something like special teams, but I mean, Renee Paredes, the the Calgary place kicker, is is going to the Hall of Fame, uh, and their punter Cody Grace is fantastic. Uh, I I have a, a metric by which. You average where a guy punts from and compare it to every other punt from that position in the last, say, decade in the Canadian Football League. So if you're punting from your own 40, the average punt from there is like 35 yards. And if you boot at 40, you get a little get a little special. Grace is, is a monster compared to the average punter. So uh, field possession, I mean, uh, the way that flips the field is going to be in, the, in Calgary's favor. And then we're coming off a game where... We won't talk about it too much, but Mark Leggio missed three kicks in that game, right? It's he's been perfect on his field goals up to that, but he missed three kicks in that 
in that game. His punting is okay. His kickoffs aren't aren't too terribly bad. They're five yards below the league leader, which is just fine. And I suspect his net on that is pretty good. But uh, I, I think Calgary has been for a decade pretty confident in how its special teams are going to work. And, and that may be that may be the the X factor as we go to this one if, if we're looking for one. Because a lot of the other stuff, and Calgary can run the football, sure, but Winnipeg showed they can. Receiving cores, they can both get open. Lines can both protect. Defensive lines can both get after the quarterback. I feel like special teams, uh, if you're looking for one spot, that, that may be the one. Well, and like, you know, you know he, he's been put in the role this year, and he's done a pretty good job. He's missed three conferences, two field goals now. And his punts, I think, you know, his net isn't great, but directionally, especially at home, I think, his directional punting has been really, really good this year. Well, it, it absolutely has. And, and it's is it three different teams he's forced to go to two returners, which that's that's pretty nice because there's a less you know lower chance that you're getting your punt yours blocked and you have a better chance of getting down to, to be able to cover it, it looks like. So, yeah, no, he, he's been good. I mean, uh, net-wise over other punters, it's probably sixth or seventh when you consider, you know, when you adjust for field position. But it's it, it's nothing that's, that's shown to be particularly bad, right? I don't – there aren't big – you know, energy killing returns coming against Winnipeg. So, yeah, no, I I'm fine with where Legio is right now. If, but you know, right, we're we're on the radio and fans are fans. And if Mark Legio bumps one off the upright and misses another one left this week, we're going to be talking about it a lot more next week. But yeah, he's in, he's in a pretty, despite what what happened in the last game, he's in a real good spot right now. I like where he is, and I I'd feel comfortable with where he is. Final question on the Bombers, then we'll talk about a couple other CFL things. Just When you see Zach Kolaris go horizontal like he's Patrick Mahomes and, and throw that football last week, what goes through your mind as a, as a commentator, and how do you feel Bombers fans should feel about the fact that Zach Kolaris is their quarterback? And for years, they they were looking for a quarterback. Now they have this guy. What a pleasure just to watch him play. Um, I don't want this to sound that the – I don't want this to come across wrong. But I always knew Zach Kolaris was a star. Like he, he, what, he turned me in 15. He was killing the league. When he came back in 2016, uh, I don't know if I've, I've ever told this story, but I was writing a piece for about Kolaris' return to the game and, and la la. And I'm like, this is a guy that should have been the MOP of the league. Look at these numbers. And if you project them out for the season, he would have put up numbers only Casey Printers did in his one amazing season. Uh, and we couldn't, I could, they had me pull that line out because Henry Burris had won the MOP. And just that week, Henry Burris told the TSN panel to shove it. So they're like, no, no, you can't do anything that would disparage Henry Burris oh, no. on this day, even if it was kind of backdoor, you know, not really disparaging, but you got to, you got to cut that line. I'm like, but no, Zach was unbelievable. So uh, he was, he was incredible in Hamilton back in the day. And then what to watch him, you know, the the knee injury and then Hamilton was such a disaster on offense pre June Jones that I thought this guy's not getting his shot Saskatchewan the injury troubles and their inability in my mind to to deal with a quarterback like Calaris like to deal with it to put up a system together for a guy like Calaris let's say that that when he came, when he went to Winnipeg you know I I wasn't uh, I wasn't calling games for Winnipeg at the time but I said Winnipeg is going to be a real problem because that line and those those people behind it with this guy's talent, he he has an absolute chance to to be a star in in this system with this protection and his ability to avoid pressure, which 
Buck Pierce brought it up today that that he's incredible under pressure and he keeps it from turning into sacks. And I thought that's that's what I've been saying. Eleven percent of his quarterback pressure has turned into sacks, which is you know with Bo Levi Mitchell is the lowest rate in the league. He's unbelievable at that. And then I mean, when you put receivers who know what to do, it's you get forty three point performances like this last one, and you get Grey Cup victories. And Kolaris is, I mean. He's the, he's the week five MOP. Like the week five, he's the MOP right now. It's it's his his numbers aren't in, you know incredibly gaudy to this point in the season, but he he's the straw that stirs the drink for me. So the Rough Riders and Argonauts are playing in Atlantic Canada this weekend. Touchdown Atlantic is back. How badly does the CFL need a tenth team, and how much would they love to put it in Atlantic Canada? Is this going to happen someday? I know the pandemic kind of put it off, but is there still urgency to put a team out west to get to ten or out east? I I feel like there is, but when the when the pandemic started and what was it, Anthony LeBlanc was was one of the big dogs in that group, went and took a job with the Ottawa Senators. I thought, oh, that's a blow. That's a blow to Atlantic Canada, and of course, the pandemic is a blow because what what government wants to fund a stadium that could accommodate the CFL uh, anywhere, much less in a part of the country that doesn't have it. I, we, we desperately need it, right? Like the weeks where there, there are just three games because three teams are on a bye are weird. One team doesn't play on Labor Day. That's kind of weird. It would, uh, it would also allow the Bombers to stay in the West if you put one in Atlantic Canada. That would be amazing because the, how the Bombers would bounce to the East and Black and la, la, la when Ottawa dropped out of the league. I really think we, we really do need it, but the fact that we just – uh, that I haven't heard much about it over the last two and a half years makes me think we're, we're probably as far away from it as we've been in some time. And that's, that to me is really sad because yeah, I, I just, I would love more CFL in my life and I would love more CFL in my country for sure. I mean, even number of teams is the thing that I think every I, league strives for because just scheduling, it makes it a lot easier, especially when you're only playing one game a week, but alas, we're still at nine teams, probably be at nine teams for a while. And so be it. So on that note, Derek, we'll uh, leave you to it. Thanks for this. And we'll talk to you Friday in the broadcast. Sounds good. Thanks, brother. Winnipeg Jets is where we're going to focus now as we welcome in Kelly Moore to the show. CGOB Sports Director spent much of the day down at Canada Life Center where uh, not much happened, Kelly. No, and it rarely does uh, with the Winnipeg Jets, Christian. They, If you look back uh, over their history, uh, they uh, certainly have not been players on NHL free agency day. Part of that, uh, I would suspect, is, <laughs> and, and whether you like it or not, Winnipeg is not a destination for big-name free agents. And part of it is the, you know, the philosophy of the franchise that uh, – uh, they're not going to overpay now, and then two or three years down the road, you're having to to buy out a lot of these deals. I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but if uh, people do their homework and see uh, and take a, and research some of the deals that have been made on free agent day, uh, they have not all worked out the way that they were intended to be on the day they were announced. No, it's true. But Winnipeg, yeah. going into this, we knew they didn't have a ton of cap space. And no. they've got to sign Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, and then, to a lesser extent, Mason Appleton and Jansen Hart, because they won't cost much. But the Dubois contract is going to cost a lot. I thought it was interesting listening to Chevy today. and We played clips earlier on the show about uh, he feels pretty set about defense. Now, he might be playing coy, but we thought that someone would have to be moved to make room for the younger players. He said that 
competition is good and you know in two months in the season there could be guys hurt we want as many people on the blue line as possible how do you view the philosophy right now at least what we heard from chevy earlier today well i've always been a big believer to get through a long nhl season uh you certainly need probably eight or nine nhl quality defensemen you uh, would likely want to up that number to 10 or 11 if you're going to try to make a long playoff run so i I understand 100% why people want to see more of Dylan Samberg and Billy Hainola and, uh, you know, maybe a few other of uh, the, you know, the young jet defensemen that uh, really look good on the Manitoba Moose. But, you know, (laughs) Christian, it was just a year ago that this town was absolutely buzzing when Kevin Shoveldayoff went out and made those deals, basically for draft picks, didn't cost him anything off his roster, uh, to bring in Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon, uh, because it was thought that it was the Jets' blue line that was holding them back. Uh, and, and so while that hasn't worked out this past season, I don't know that you can conclusively say, well, this thing's a bust for the long haul. So with a with a different head coach, with a different defensive philosophy, uh, I think you at least have to give it a try uh, in going forward. But also, I think the big difference to Christian going into training camp this year, uh, you might remember it was the, the same defense pairings and basically the same lines throughout training camp and the preseason. There was really no sense of competition. It was, hey, here's our team. This is what we're going with. Uh, so I think it'll be a completely different atmosphere at the training camp this year in terms of the level of competition uh, for jobs. Now, Rick Bonus has said that he wants to make the Jets a harder team to play against. Chevy was asked if this group, as currently constructed, can do that. I think it's a style of play, too. I don't know that it's necessarily, uh, you know, with respect to, um, you know, go out and sign player X because, you know, that's that's they're harder to play against. I think it's a style uh, type of thing that certainly Rick is talking about. And, and um, you know, again, the style of game that, that, that Rick, you know, wants to play is that kind of a game. It is a harder game. It's a more checking game. It's a, it's a more pressure, you know, type of takes time and space away type of, uh, you know, game. So that makes you harder to play against. My read yeah. on, on, go ahead, Kelly. I was just going to say, listening to what Kevin Shoveldayoff had to say there and Kurt, Christian, all I was envisioning was how difficult Dallas made life for the Calgary flames in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, yes, Jake Ottinger, played fabulously for the stars uh, and uh, was the reason that it probably got to seven games, but it wasn't easy for Calgary either. So uh, that that's what I was envisioning. And do the Jets have the pieces in place to play that way? Absolutely they do. And yeah, the way I read what we heard today from Chevy is he's fine with what they have. And we, we talked about it a lot at the end of last season, Kelly, on our post-game shows was, okay, what has to change? Is it as simple as, we're going to change the coaching. We think the personnel might be good under a different system. Is it the system mm-hmm. or the personnel? Is it some combination? What is it that's been wrong with the team? It sounds like they're okay with the personnel at the moment, and they're hoping that, hey, a different system, better structure defensively, and this can work. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to do something here that's probably going to get a little bit of uh, uh, feathers ruffled and, and that sort of thing, but I, I just really feel... Like being around this team as much as I am at practice, no, I don't travel with them, so I don't have the full meal deal uh, like, say, guys like Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas would, who are with them all the time. Uh, But I I understand in order to try to do something on free agent day, uh, people are looking at different ways 
to create salary cap space. Trading Blake Wheeler was one of them. The other thing that I heard the most of was, well, uh, see what you know, see what you can get for Brendan Dillon. And if you're looking to change the culture of this hockey club to what you want it to be, Brendan Dillon is the kind of guy that fits that culture to a T. So if you already have that person in place that can help you set that culture, why would you want to trade him just to create salary cap space to bring in someone who may or may not fit into that culture that you're you're trying to swing around? I mean, I I I don't understand that for the life of me, but uh, and and also why would you move that player just to create playing time for a younger player. Let the younger players earn it. Uh, and, and if they earn it in training camp and if they earn it in preseason and they're better uh, than the people that are slotted ahead of them, then then fine. Maybe you take a look at making you know that move when it's under less dire circumstances and uh, you know in a more controlled fashion. Now, there are probably tons of people that disagree with me, and I'm fine with that. But, you know, that would be the way of thinking that I would advocate. Fair enough. And now we look ahead to what the Jets could still do because it is, you know, we're not even 12 hours in a free agency. So there's still right. a lot of names out there that can be picked up. And I think the Jets, you know, Kevin Shovel Dayoff made a note that they're still working on stuff. There are going to be forwards that are signed by this team, no doubt about it. It's just a matter of who uh, down yeah. the lineup. It's going to be a depth player. It's not going to be a, you know, a top six guy. But it seems like unless there's a big trade coming more or less what we saw at the end of last season, you know, Paul Stasny's probably not back, but we're going to see again, I think more competition this year for younger players to make an impact on this team going into training camp. Well, you know, one of the things I was looking at Christian is some of the teams, you know, that have been very aggressive now and will worry about fitting under the salary cap later, like a team like the Tampa Bay lightning, who are over $7 million over the cap. Now, they do have, you know, LTIR relief in uh, a, a player like uh, Brent Seabrook, uh, but he doesn't cover all of that. So, you know, is a guy like Brandon Hagel all of a sudden expendable uh, because he could get you back down under the cap? And, and so, you know, at $1.5 million for the next two years now, he's a guy that Tampa Bay probably doesn't want to let go uh, but, you know, who knows whether they have that choice. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, it's a guy like Ross Colton or maybe even, you know, a, an established veteran like uh, Pierre-Edward Bel- Belmar. But the, the the thing with those, Tampa Bay, they have to have a lot of those million-dollar veterans, so to speak, in order to make things work because they're top-heavy. But they can't possibly keep them all Christian. So I wonder maybe if there's some deals to be had, you know, with those kind of teams. Look at what Carolina did. In, yeah. in picking up Max, uh, Max Pacioretty, you know, from the Vegas Golden for nothing, and, exactly. And 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 I don't think Vegas is done yet. I think, you know, they're still going to have to make uh, a, a move or two uh, to be able to, you know, get within uh, cap range because they only have sixteen players signed, and there's still a million over the cap. So. Unless you're going to stick, uh, you know, about a half a dozen guys on long-term injured reserve and keep them there for the whole year, uh, it, uh, it it's probably not going to work out for you. So, you know, there there might be some good deals to be had 
because of the needs and the necessity that are facing other, you know, these kind of teams. Before I let you go, I just want to get a thought on the Johnny Gaudreau choice to go to Columbus. <laughs> We're got to hear from him still, obviously, on why he chose to do that. But I, I saw it online right before I was going to start my show. I was a little floored. How, I think what was we your all reaction? Were. Yeah, we. I was absolutely shocked. I was actually driving home from Canada Life Center, and uh, I, I think it was you who mentioned it. Uh, and I thought, where did that come from? And and you know, call or Columbus is still maintaining that they can re-sign Patrick Lyonnais, uh, but it'll be very interesting to see what Yarmo Kekalainen does uh, to to create the room. To, to be able to have Patrick Lyonet and Johnny Goodrow. And I've got to be thinking uh, that, you know, one of the reasons Goodrow signed with Columbus was maybe to play with a marquee talent like a Patrick Lyonet. So it'll be very, very interesting to see how Columbus maneuvers that. But, you know, when I look at, you know, Carolina did a really good job today. I thought the Detroit Red Wings had themselves a, a, an excellent day. You know, the Edmonton Oilers address needs, but let's just hold the phone and see how, uh, Evander Kane and Jack Campbell do over the long haul. Um, and, <laughs> you know, you get burned every year, but I keep on thinking, you know, well, this will be the year the Ottawa Senators step forward. And now adding Alex Dabrinkat and Claude Giroux and a pretty good goaltender in Cam Talbot, are they finally ready to march forward? So I think there's some teams that have to be feeling pretty good about coming out of free agency. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's... And I, I, I understand totally the frustration uh, and the disappointment for Winnipeg Jets fans because the Jets did what they usually do, and that is just take the pragmatic approach on free agency day. And, uh, yeah, it, uh, uh, I, I understand totally why, uh, why people uh, are, are discon- disenchanted and, and, and taking a negative view. Uh, but I also would urge you that after that disappointment wears off and maybe you take a look at things and, and especially look at it pragmatically on just how much could Kevin Sheveldayoff have done. I, I had people on Twitter with me today, Christian, I don't put, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time there, uh, but I thought on free agency day, I, I would at least, uh, you know, uh, spend some time uh, on social media and trading a guy like Blake Wheeler isn't as easy as people think it is. You just don't say, okay, Blake Wheeler's available for trade. Let's go here. It it just does not work that way. One last question. Did you take part in this uh, media ball hockey game that we saw online? No, today? no, I was on the air uh, with Jim Toth at the time, but uh, I saw one of our colleagues go down uh, in a heap, and uh, I, I was surprised that he was back uh, asking questions of Kevin Chevaldeoff later on. Uh, considering how he went down. So uh, uh, either he's really tough or uh, for that particular moment, he was making, no, I better not say it. Okay, fair enough. All right, Kelly Moore, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this. Okay, Christian, you bet. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre and post game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to win.